Well, today, I am excited to introduce to you a brand new series we are calling Forward. Everybody say Forward. It is a three-week sermon series, but it's actually the launch of our three-year capital campaign that we are going to use and employ together as a church family to help build our new Tiny Town Road campus. How many of you are excited about our new location that we're going to build on Tiny Town Road, everybody? I'm so pumped for it. I love what God's doing in our church, and I'm telling you, I could spend hours telling stories of what God has done and is doing in our church, but uh, listen, I love how his plans are coming together for us to build a new location right on Tiny Town Road. In fact, if you haven't seen the photos, let me just show you a couple pictures real quick of our new Tiny Town Road location. If you get off exit one, just past the new Bucky's that's coming in, let's go. Best beef jerky in town. Anyway, uh, you go to Tiny Town Road, take a right like you're going towards Fort Campbell, You'll pass the movie theater in a couple neighborhoods, and then there's this big old farm. And uh, the first property on the farm sits right behind F&M Bank. And uh, in a private drive, we have a private road that runs to our church property called Profit Drive. Now, we're a nonprofit, so we're going to have to change the name of the street. I was thinking about changing it to Profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Come on now. Isn't that fun? Anyway, all the businesses have to agree. So... <laughs> We'll get there. Anyway, you turn on Profit Drive off Tiny Town, and it sits right behind uh, the bank there, but this is our new building, 42,000 square feet. It'll house a staff of about 25 or so there. We'll have everything, full kids, students, worship, uh, counseling center. We'll have all of the things that we have at our Rossview Road location without setup and teardown. Big new open space lobby. It's actually wider. You can't really tell in this photo, but it is a little bit wider than our Rossview Road campus. Then our auditorium seats 750 uh, and, and we're going to pack in as many chairs as we can. That's uh, as many as we can legally and by fire code. But I think the fire marshal comes to our church, so that's good news. Um, this is, uh, is going to be a broadcast venue, and the goal at this point, you know, God's, God's will be done in his church, but whoever's preaching at this location will preach to every campus. So if you're there, it'll be a video campus, or if you're preaching at that campus, it'll broadcast to here and to Austin P and online and wherever else. So we'll have one communicator every weekend at every location. But man, I'm so excited because this is the hottest spot in the country to move into, and we own land right in the middle of it. Aren't you excited about what God's doing in our church, everybody? So, so today I've titled the message, When God is Up to Something New. And it comes from a statement that I've said for years, honestly, I don't even know where I got it or if I made it up, but it excites me so much. I love to say that God who never changes is always up to something new. The God who never changes, I, I want you to understand, this should fire you up. Our God is the same yesterday, today, forever. He is the Lord and he changeth not. We, we can count on him to be a steadfast father, an immovable rock, and a, an amazingly steady and consistent God. But just because he's the same doesn't mean he doesn't do something new. Some of us, that's a problem for us. Like we go, well, I've never done it this way before. I've never done this, before. I've never been like this before. Listen, Every one of you that is growing and changing, it's because you're doing things you've never done before. You know what else I've never done in my life before? Pastor to church. You know what else I've never done before? Had kids and raised them. Everything you do to progress in life is the first time you're doing it. And the God who never changes, his character never falters, his passions never change, he's always doing something new. I wanna encourage you to believe that for your own life. I wanna encourage you to believe that in your family. If you wanna reflect God, be a steady and faithful person, have some convictions in your life and some passions for God, 
but let the Lord do some new things in you. Let God stretch you and grow you in the area of devotion and prayer and giving and serving other people. Let God do new things with you as he steadies you as a person of faith. But the God who never changes is always up to something new. It's a motto for our church, and it's been a story of our church all along. If you don't know this, let me just give you a little history here. Our church started in 2005. It was planted by a couple who had a heart and a passion to reach people for Jesus. That has always been the heart of our church. Five years later, Stephanie and I moved here to become the new pastors, and we had the confident vote of 52 voting members. Two of them said no, but we're moving on. Anyway, I'm not bitter. (laughs) My first Sunday as pastor, 85 people attended that first Sunday while we were pastors. Five-year-old church, and we had two and a half million in debt. We had a brand new building in this field out here on Rossview Road. We renamed the church Life Point Church, had tons of dreams, tons of vision, tons of prayers to reach our city. I remember when I, when I was interviewing, saying, we're gonna grow, we're gonna do multiple services, we're gonna build a new building. And I mean, I, mean, I just would stand out in the front field and pray. Part of it was because I worked in this church alone for a long time. Nobody else worked here but me. I gave myself office hours. It was a real lonely place for years. And I'd go out in the field or I'd, I'd just want people to see me and wave at me. You know what I'm saying? I was lonely. I'm an extrovert. I'd host prayer meetings or anything somebody wanted to have a meeting. Yes, you can use our building. Are you sure? Of course, no one else comes here. And so I'd stand out in the field and I'd pray and I'd believe God and I'd pray over the neighborhoods and I'd say, Lord, you're gonna fill up your church. And I'm telling you, we had, I had tons of dreams, tons of plans, tons of vision and no money to do anything God was leading us to do. The God who never changes is always up to something new. Can I tell you something? We've never had the money to do the things God's called us to do. I don't know if you realize this or not, God's not waiting on money to do anything. He's simply waiting on people to get motivated to do what he's doing. So we've never had the money to match the dreams that we've had. Our church began to grow and we added more services. We reached more people. We always had a heart to make room for people who weren't here yet. We ended up buying more chairs after we filled all the chairs. But let me tell you how that started. When I took over as pastor, we owned 300 chairs. But we only had 85 people. How many of you know 85 people in 300 chairs feels real empty? So you know what I did? I hid 100 chairs. I put them in hallways and stairwells and I hid 100 chairs. So now we had 200 chairs in the room. And man, those chairs were real spread out. Y'all think it's tight now. It was like you could skip side by side with your friends through the aisles back in those days. There was no excuse me, pardon me. It was like, what up, dog? You know, you're just making your way (laughs) through the chairs. We had so much room. And then we filled up those 200 seats and we slowly started putting more chairs in the room. Then we went to 300 seats full. Then we started adding services and then we bought more chairs. I'll never forget when we bought chairs. We had no money to buy chairs, but a church was closing and we bought some of their old plastic chairs. We bought like 250 of these old plastic chairs. And then we'd fill those out in the sides of the room and on the edge of the walls. How many of y'all remember them chairs on the side of the room? Anybody in the church back in the, None of y'all went here then. Wow, great. <laughs> then we'd set up 50 to 60 chairs in the lobby. Now, we had a lobby that was 10 feet wide by 18 feet deep. It was terribly small. It was smaller than the women's bathroom at our current building. So ladies, every time you go in there, you feel like it's too small. It's not. <laughs> so we'd set up 50 to 60 chairs in the small little lobby. And then we started another campus at West Creek Middle School. We started running two video services over there and I'd preach at our Rossview campus and we'd broadcast it. And people would cross their arms and go, I'm not going to some school to watch my preacher on a screen. 
So they drive past West Creek all the way to Rossview to watch me on a 37-inch TV in the lobby in a plastic chair. They'd watch me on that screen. They're like, I ain't watching them on a screen at West Creek. In fact, I'm watching you guys right now. Half of you are watching me on screens right now. I love that joke because people go, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Like, right when I say it, it's fine. I'm screen mic, you know what I'm saying? So we added new campuses, we added new locations, we started new services, and, and here's what happened. Like, all along the way, we never had the resources to do what God was calling us to do, but we always had the people who would step out with us in faith and take a leap and do something significant. We bought more chairs, we added more services, we started new campuses. Here's some things that we kept, though, because the God who never changes is doing something new. We kept preaching the same Bible. We kept loving the same kind of people God would send. We never compromised on our preaching, our worship, our love for others. We never had the resources, but we kept doing it anyway because the God who never changes is always up to something new. We went from dozens of people to hundreds of people to thousands of people. In 2017, when we uh, were building our new building at Rossview Road, we were listed as the 11th fastest growing church in America. I thought, how in the world did that even happen? And then one year later, uh, Outreach Magazine, to the glory of Jesus only, we were listed the fastest growing church in the entirety of the United States. God has done some amazing things. Can we give the Lord some praise for the growth and what he's done throughout the history of this church? We give God all the credit for this. He's done amazing things with a group of people who have said, God, whatever you want from us. We've never had the resources to do what God's called us to do. We've grown so much and we're growing again. Right before the pandemic in 2020, our church had been, we had an attendance over 6,000 uh, on the weekend. That's between four services at Rossview, two at West Creek. We had a service happening at Austin P. We had a, a daughter church in Smyrna, a campus in Washington State, one in Phoenix, Arizona. And, and our, our church was just growing. Our online presence was really strong, still is to this day. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and we go from 6,000 plus to zero in a week. All of a sudden, everybody's moved to church online and church on their phone and church in their living room. But during that time, while our attendance dropped, our giving went up. You guys became more generous than ever. And during that time, we were approached by a local business leader to buy a 12-acre piece of property on exit one off Tiny Town, right behind a branch of the bank that we use, FNM Bank. Thanks to your incredible generosity during that time, we never even had to ask for the money for it. We were able to pay cash for that property and we paid cash, bought it, cash, cash payment and waited for God to direct us with what's next because we knew that God would be up to something new. And that brings us today to our forward campaign. We're growing again. In fact, we've outgrown our Rossview location again. We're asking people to go to our Austin P campus. By the way, that's the one they feed you at. I'm just throwing that out there. But our city is growing like crazy. Can all the West Coast refugees acknowledge how amazing Clarksville, Tennessee has been for you and your family? <laughs> Clarksville has become one of the fastest growing cities in America. In fact, 2013, it was listed the fastest growing city in America for families. In, in, in this last three months, the 37042 zip code was recently named the hottest zip code in America for people to move into. Everybody's building in our city. Companies are building, apartment buildings are going up, building new houses, building new neighborhoods, building new factories, building distribution centers, Amazon, Facebook, Google, local industries are growing, growing, growing like crazy. The church must grow as well. And God is the one who's building his church. So today we're officially launching 
our three-year, 36-month forward capital campaign in order to raise the money needed to build our Tiny Town Road campus. All of you should have received this envelope either in the seat back in front of you, under your seats, uh, or, or one of our ushers can give it to you. We'll look at that together in just a moment, but please make sure that's close to you. Today, we're officially launching our three-year forward campaign, and the design of this is to raise all of the cash needed to build our new Tiny Town Road campus. That is what we're calling it. This is our Rossview Road campus. We have our Austin P campus. Now we'll have our Tiny Town Road campus. And we're building because the God who never changes is always up to something new. And with our church, we believe God wants us to reach more people and do it in a new location on that side of town. Let me give you some of the backstory theologically of why we're doing this. God is always doing great things. How many of you know God doesn't make mistakes? God doesn't have a bad week. God doesn't have a bad day and God doesn't ever take his eye off of his mission. In fact, the language we use in the church world is God has a mission, it's called the mission of God. And we see it throughout all of scripture. I want you to understand as we begin moving forward as a church, that before we get rolling into a new building, I want us to understand we're participating in something that God is doing in our city. How many of you know the Lord is moving way ahead of the church? I love the passage of scripture. It's in uh, John's gospel, Luke's gospel, when Jesus, he was a young man, 12 years old. We don't have a lot of stories of Jesus' life prior to him being a 30-year-old man. We don't have a lot of stories from his childhood or his adolescence, but we do have this one story. He's 12 years old, and the Bible tells us that Jesus and his whole family and everybody in his town of Nazareth had gone up to Jerusalem for an annual festival. And they'd gone up to the city, and they'd spent their time at the temple and making their sacrifices and their offerings and all that kind of stuff. And then the scripture says that their whole clan, their whole family heads back to town, to their own town, Nazareth. And about a day away from Jerusalem, Mary, the mother of Jesus, looks to Joseph and she's like, hey, where's Jesus? Now listen, if you're in a giant caravan, I get it. Like maybe he's with cousin Elizabeth, I don't know. Joseph looks at Mary, he's like, I thought he was with you. And she goes, I thought he was with you. Now you know Mary's panicking going, I just lost God's kid. So in a panic, uh, they rush back to Jerusalem. Now they're already a day away of travel. So they have to travel a whole day back and they get to Jerusalem and they're searching for days for Jesus. They're crying out, Jesus. I mean, how do you, how are you, Mary, thinking, I gotta go talk to the God the Father about this. This is a horrible, I gotta find this boy. So she gets to the temple and she finds Jesus in the temple reasoning with the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders of the temple. In fact, they're so perplexed at how smart and how wise this young Jesus is, probably because, I don't know, he's God anyway. So he's talking to them and he's teaching them at 12 years old. Never would that have been acceptable for a, a boy to be teaching the leaders of the, of the Pharisees. But sure enough, he's the one teaching them. Mary rushes to Jesus in his teaching and interrupts him going, Jesus, which you're, I mean, that's a normal response. I wonder if she did the like angry mom whisper, you know, like, Jesus, Jesus. You know, Jesus. <laughs> she looks at him. She look, he looks at his mother and he says, do you not know that I would be about my father's business? Man, I'm telling you, that statement to me has to be the statement of God's people. Are you surprised that I am about my father's business? Hey, church, can I just tell you, don't ever be surprised when LifePoint Church is about doing the father's business. Jesus would say it like this in John 5 as a grown-up. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son of God, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, 
That is what the son will do likewise. Listen, I'm not trying to say we're Jesus, obviously not, but we work with Jesus, we follow Jesus, and whatever Jesus says is what we wanna say, and for him, his attitude is, whatever the father does is what I wanna do. And if we're gonna be like Christ, we need to carry an attitude that says, I work for God, I belong to God, I wanna do what the Father is doing. If he was steadily trying to do what God the Father is doing, then we also should be steadily doing what God the Father is doing. Can I just give all of you a statement that you should employ in your own life? Everybody can carry this statement if you're a Christ follower, it's very simple, I work for God. It doesn't matter what your career is, what your profession is, whether you're a pastor or a, a school principal, a stay-at-home parent, if you're a soldier, if you're a business owner, it doesn't matter if you're a medical professional, it doesn't matter what you do. If you belong to Jesus, your statement of faith is I work for God. Whatever God wants for me to do is what I wanna do. So as we prepare for the growth that God is bringing, it means that God is asking us to build something for him. The first point of the message is really about the mission of God. Did you know that God has a mission? Did you know that God has an objective? He has a focus and everything he does is oriented around that. Some people think God is distracted with all of our things that we want him to do. But let me be very clear, God has a mission, God has a focus and a direction. If you want the backstory, it really starts at the beginning of your Bible in Genesis chapters one and two, we see God created everything from nothing. God created all things under heaven, he created them. And then he created the highlight of his creation, which is humankind, man and woman. The Bible says specifically, it's the only part of his creation that he breathed life into. He didn't breathe life into any of the animal kingdom and any of the plants, definitely not cats. He breathed into humans. <laughs> he breathed his breath into mankind. And the Bible says that he created man in his image, in his likeness, and he created us specifically male and female. And he created us to have relationship with him. By the way, when we argue with any of those points of how God created us, we're actually arguing with the created order of God and his preference to do it that way. He gave very simple instructions. I love the instructions of God in the garden with Adam and Eve. He said, work really hard, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, amen, right? Those were the days, you know what I'm saying? Those were the days. And then he said, I'm gonna give you one boundary. That's good parenting, y'all. Good parenting says, I want you to flourish, I want you to live a life and that's free and, and full of life, but I am gonna give you some boundaries and parameters. God said, work hard, be fruitful and multiply, don't eat from the one tree in the middle of the garden. He said, when you eat of this tree, you'll die. So get, guess what the only thing they were tempted to do was? Not be fruitful and multiply. You would think Adam and Eve would have been like, game on, let's go. Let's work, let's be fruitful. The only thing we see them struggling with is to do the thing God told them not to do. And the Bible says that the devil tempted them, said, if you eat this fruit, you'll be just like God, which I think is still the temptation we all have to sin, is that I want to be God of my own life. So they give in to the temptation and they eat of the fruit of the Garden of Eden. Now watch, there's a reason I'm telling you this setup of the story for why we're building a church. They ate of the one tree, and in Genesis chapter 3, we see they eat of the fruit, and then they, their eyes are awakened and they realize they're naked. Like, how do they not know that before? But it says they realized they were naked, so they clothed themselves with fig leaves and they hid from God. Verse eight says that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The imagery here is that God has shown up for his daily walk with his people. It was a routine behavior of God to spend time with his creation in relationship. We're gonna take our walk today. 
And the man and his wife had hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. And the Lord called to the man and the woman and said, where are you? He goes on to say that they called out and said, here we are, Lord, we've hidden, we, we, we've clothed ourselves and we've realized that we're naked and we sinned. And he says to them, who told you you were naked? Why did you do this? And the man blames the woman, typical, right? It's woman you gave me. And the woman points the finger at the devil. And what's really interesting is the, is the Lord gives this immediate response because now all of a sudden the entire human race has a condition known as sin. Sin puts us at a dissonance with God. Sin makes us to where we can't walk in the cool of the garden in, in holiness with God. It, it, it eliminates our ability to have ongoing intimate relationship with God. This sin is a major problem for the whole world, which is why we plant churches. But God's immediate response in verse 15 of chapter three, is he looks to the devil and he says, I will put enmity or dissonance or, or, or a distance between you to the devil and the woman. And the woman here is symbolic of all of the human race that would follow out after her. Here, here's something you gotta understand, like in Hebrew uh, theology or just thinking in general, a person is Jewish because of the lineage of their mother, because you come out of the womb of a woman. And so your, your Jewishness comes through being birthed by your woman by a woman, and that, that really comes from this text too, that God is saying the seed of this woman forever, there's gonna be an, a dissonance, there's gonna be a pain between the devil and all of the human race as a result of this. Watch this, I'm gonna put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and sin and evil and all that you represent and her offspring. And specifically, Galatians says that this offspring would ultimately be about the coming of Jesus, the son that would come through the lineage. In fact, it's why the, the Old Testament does such a good job of teaching us all this lineage and all of this, uh, you know, he begat him and she begat her and all this, all the genealogy, because we wanna see from Eve all the way to Jesus why this promise would become fulfilled. Now, there's a reason I'm telling you this. God says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and that offspring the son that would come from her, he shall bruise, talking to the devil, he shall bruise your head. Another version says he shall crush your head. Here's why I'm showing you this text. As soon as sin would separate humanity from a holy God, God said, I have a plan to fix it. As soon as sin would become the issue of the human race, God said, God would say that through the seed of this woman will come the power to overcome the temptations of the devil, the, the power of sin, and the ultimate crushing of the head of the devil would be through the seed of this woman, and that seed, it would become Jesus. In fact, the whole of the Old Testament is pointing forward to a life with Jesus. Even the story of Israel is a story of preserving a people to bring about a savior and to bring us Jesus the Christ. So let's fast forward now, Jesus on the scene in John three, probably the most famous passage of the New Testament, Jesus would be all about the mission of God. In John three, verse 16, the Bible says, God, Jesus said, God so loved the whole world. We see his love in Genesis three. He says, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in, puts their confidence in, follows truthfully in Jesus should not perish now. Remember the consequence of sin was that we would perish and die, but Jesus is saying, if now you put your confidence in me because God did this, you will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him, Jesus. How many of you know the Christian church, the, the gospel of Jesus should never be a condemning message or a condemning gospel? How many of you know Christians have gotten this messed up by being condemners? We should be uplifters and pushing people to find salvation and faith in Jesus. So Jesus would say it very plainly in Luke 19. Jesus said it plainly, here's the mission of God. Like the most plain text that we have of the Bible that says it. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Lost people are those who don't follow Christ. That's the, that's the language of the Bible. If you're not a part of the family of God, you're a lost person and you need to be saved. You need to be saved from your sin and saved from a life apart from God. But before God can save you, look at what it says. He came to seek and to save. How many of you know that's two different things? And before he can save anyone, he's pursuing people. He's, say, he's seeking people out. That's why the church is showing up in a city. That's why the church is launching new campuses. That's why we pray for people that are far from God because we're seeking people who need Jesus. You ever go seeking for something you've lost? Have you ever noticed when you lose something, it's the only thing you can think about? It could be your keys or your wallet. How about a TV remote? Y'all heard what I'm saying right now? Like you flip the whole house upside down. Blame everybody. Who's the last person that has a remote? Where's your sister? <laughs> what happens when something's lost? You go seeking it. You ever lose a kid at the mall or in public? Man, nothing matters when you lose a kid. And you can be shopping at the mall with your whole family, you got the whole crew, it's Christmas shopping, and you lose one kid. It doesn't matter which one. It's not like you go, I got four more. You don't go, well, she'll turn up. I'm going to Annie Ann's to get a pretzel because you smell those, right? <laughs> By the way, can we bottle that up as a fragrance? My God, help us, Jesus. When you lose a kid, nothing else matters. I remember a couple years ago, Stephanie and I, we took our girls on a Memorial Day weekend trip. We went to D.C. and uh, we were in a Memorial Day. We were watching a parade. They were parading through all these different groups of soldiers in uniforms from different uh, combat eras and as we're walking down this sidewalk, there's all six of us, my wife and our two girls, our four girls, excuse me, we have four, um, <laughs> walking down. And one of them, we see an ice cream cart coming. And I think my oldest one says, Dad, can we get ice cream? And I'm like, yes, because I'm super dad. So we stop for ice cream. And the ice cream cart stops. And, and all of us stop at the cart to look at the pictures on the ice cream cart, except Brooklyn, my fourth child. She just kept walking down the same sidewalk. She didn't know that we stopped for ice cream. And we didn't know that she didn't stop with us. So we're looking at all the pictures and which one do you want? Which one do you want? We're all making selections and we go, okay, to have everybody, what does Brooklyn want? Where's Brooklyn? All of a sudden, ice cream didn't matter anymore. Nothing mattered except fine Brooklyn. Thankfully, about 50 yards down the sidewalk, some grandpa saw her walking alone, picked her up and put her on the wall and said, some dad's coming to get her. When I show up, I'm panicking. He's like, hey dad, she's fine. She's right here. Can I tell you? The reason we are planting a church, because God sees the condition of every person in this city and he sets people aside and he says, man, there's a church coming that's gonna find these people. There's a, there's a gospel witness coming to this part of town that's gonna find these people and introduce them to Jesus. There's some lost people that will be found if we'll be a church that's on mission to seek them out and to save them. People say, why are you gonna plant another church? Statistically, the number one most effective method to reach people who don't attend church and don't follow Jesus is planting new churches. It's actually not door knocking. It's not canvassing neighborhoods. It's not doing big Easter pageants. The number one way to reach people who don't attend church and follow Jesus is to start new churches. 
which is why we've helped church plants for years and why we're planting a new campus. So I just want you to understand, God has a mission and he's still on mission. And as long as there are people who don't follow Christ, we're gonna keep doing our work to seek and to save people far from God. Can I hear an amen from the church today? Building a church that loves Jesus means we're not building a church just for us. Some people have said, don't we have enough people? Don't we, aren't we full enough? We would never build a church for our four no more. Like, we don't accept that with any other organization. We heard Bucky says come in and people are like, yay, Bucky's. Nobody's like, aren't there enough Bucky's in the world? You get a Chick-fil-A in your neighborhood, ain't nobody in the world complaining about more chicken. <laughs> but let a church say we want to build a new church and we go, don't we have enough churches? No, as long as there's lost people in this world, Jesus is still seeking saving lost people, and he does it through the church. So LifePoint is doing great things, but we're doing them with God. Our mission is to follow Jesus and to do what God's called us to do. It's my hope and desire that we would be a church that reflects not our wishes, but we'd be a church that reflects the heart and mission of Jesus. Our mission is God's mission. We don't work for us. We work for him. We don't get to do what we want. We do what he's telling us to do. And building a new church is not building it for us. We're building it because we believe that God is sending people from all over the country and all over the world who need to hear about Jesus. Some people don't think like this when it comes to the vision of our organization. Let me just test the room here real quick. We, we built this building in our Rossview Road location. Uh, we started construction in 2016. And we opened it in 2017. When we started the process of designing and fundraising and all that stuff, our church was about 1,500 people on the weekend in one location. Actually, in two locations. We had a middle school. Our church was about 1,500. Right now, this actual service, our third service on a Sunday, is about 1,400, 1,500 people on our whole campus between who's in the auditorium, Kid Point, volunteers, plus our campus is meeting at Austin P right now. We've got about 15 to 1,700 people right now that are part of our church. But here's the deal. Right now, in one service, we reach more people than we had as an entire church before we built this building. Let me show it to you another way. In 2015, we started praying for people that would come. That I used to pray, God, I pray for the people that have never heard of our church that will come to LifePoint one day. Can I just ask you to raise your hand if you were not a part of this church before we built this building? Can you raise your hand? You've started coming since we built. We built this place for you. We built it for you. I prayed for you seven years ago. I prayed, God, for the people that haven't come. You see what I mean? Like, we're on mission, man. And I just believe God says, man, if, if we'll be a church that goes, I'll go get them. We'll come after the people that haven't come yet. We've been praying for folks that haven't moved to Clarksville yet that will one day. We've been praying for all the neighbors. In fact, let me show you a screenshot of the neighborhood our new building will be in. This is the Tiny Town Road area. The red dot is our building. The, the big farm that we sit on is actually gonna become another six or 700 houses. But I want you to see the population density all around. I mean, there are literally thousands and thousands of homes. And look, there are other great churches in this part of town. In fact, we have prayed for them, resourced them, served them as well. And before we bought the land, I called the pastors that I'm friends with up there and I said, hey, we're looking to buy this land. Do we have your blessing to come to? And they're like, please come. There's so many people up here that need church. But I just want you to see the reason we do everything is because of people. And there are folks that have never heard of our church, haven't even moved to our city. Let me tell you the kid I've been praying for a lot. As I pray about the future of this church and this campus, I've been praying for some 13-year-old middle school boy 
somewhere in America. I don't know his name. I don't know what his family dynamics are. He's some, I'm praying for some corn-fed, Midwestern, windy-haired kid. <laughs> Seventh grader. He's out in Iowa somewhere. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And he's going to middle school, and he's bad at, at tennis, you know, whatever. I don't know. And he's going to, five years from now, graduate high school. And he's going to go to a recruiter's office because he wants to give his life to serve his country. He's going to raise his hand in a recruiter's office in nowhere, Idaho. That's a real city. I'm just... He's gonna to go to basic training and he's gonna be stationed at Fort Campbell. And his first duty station, he's gonna get in the barracks on his weekends and they're gonna go, hey, what are y'all doing today? And some, some other friend's gonna go, man, we're going to church. You wanna come with us? And he's gonna to go to Life Point Church on Tiny Town Road. He's gonna walk into a building that you help pay for, that you help pray for, and that you help build. And he's gonna walk into that building and he's gonna meet Jesus and he's gonna give his life to God and he's gonna to go to heaven forever because we made a way for that kid to come. And that story is going to happen thousands of times. Kids dedicated to the Lord. Marriage is happening in that building. Couples who meet at conferences. I mean, it's going to happen because we've said we're going to do something crazy for God to seek and save lost people. Are y'all hearing me, everybody? Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. Go and make disciples of all nations. Look at this church planning tool baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is about initiating people into the church family. We don't just want to get people saved. We want to get people into the family of God. And they need a church to go to, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always in this thing. Jesus had a very clear great commission. We say it like this. Our mission is to lead people. We're not here to build a brand. We're not here to build big buildings. We're not here to build a program or put my face on more billboards. We're here to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. The thing that I love about a church is it's multi-generations of people to come. There will be folks that get saved in our church after we die because we're building something that will last forever. I love the old churches in our city. I pray for the old churches in our city. I pray that they all be revived. One of the churches downtown is over 200 years old. And I think, man, people prayed like this 200 years ago to start a church in downtown Clarksville where people would come to know Jesus for the generations. That's what we're doing here, folks. That's what we get to be a part of. So we're partners with the mission that God has. What about us? What, what's our part? What do we do in this mission? We're building a new church. Here's what we're doing. We're building another campus. And we know why, because the mission of God compels us to reach people who are coming. And we know why we're doing it now. We're out of room. Our city's growing, fast-growing city, hottest zip code in America. Can all the West Coast refugees say amen? God has provided this land to us with cash for this assignment. And we've never had the money to do the things God called us to do, but we have the people. For years I used to pray, and I, I used to pray angrily until I feel like the Lord spoke to me about this. I used to say, God, this is your church. These are your bills. Like he gonna write a check, you know, like get on auto draft with the bank. I feel like the Lord told me once, he's like, yes, it's my church and those are my bills. So Mike, you teach my people to give. So we get to be a part of this. We get to be a part of what God is building in the earth. Can you imagine one day we'll get to heaven? And I would love it if God would give us a private suite just for an afternoon to show us the impact of what we've done for him. Can you imagine? If God, are all the LifePoint people here? Come on, gather in, dim the lights, silence your pagers. And God would say, I want you to see how, how, much, how much more real estate you guys made me build in heaven. 
because of what you guys did in Clarksville. Lord, let it be. So what do we do? I want you to, first of all, I want you to attend your church faithfully. Don't back out, lean in. Don't back out, lean in. Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake the gathering of ourselves as some are in the habit of doing. COVID gave us new habits and one of the terrible habits of COVID is people have shifted to online church. We've made Sunday fun day, Sunday play day. No, 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 we go to church. We bring our children to church. We serve in our church. We go to small group. Listen, make it a habit to be a part of God's family. I get it. We've spoiled people with online digital access. But frankly, there's nothing that comes close to getting in the room, smelling the smells, singing the songs, being around the people, and letting others be a blessing to you. I wanna encourage you to attend faithfully, lean in, be in your small group. That's where, that's where discipleship and pastoral care and potlucks happen, everybody. Come on now. I wanna ask you to pray big, bold, audacious, consistent prayers. Don't insult God with small prayers. I want everybody to pray with me that we pay this property off fast. Be a regular person in prayer for your church, for this capital campaign that we're starting. I want everyone to serve with gladness. Part of what people love about our church is how amazing our dream team is. Can we give a shout out to our dream team, everybody? Our volunteers who serve every week. But that's another one of our bad habits that we've gotten into. We've allowed others to serve us instead of us serve. We go, well, I'm not here every weekend. I'm busy. I've got a lot going on. No, no, no. I believe it's God's will that every Christian serve other people. And a great place for you to do that is to serve in your local church. Jesus Christ would have been a servant in his local temple. In fact, he's found many times teaching and serving in his synagogue. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve other people. Why are, why are we exceptions to that? We are servants because we follow Jesus. Fourth, I want to ask everybody to invite people to your church. Invite them to any church, frankly. I don't care. If they're preaching the gospel, invite them to any church. Hey, man, you need to get yourself in church. Can I help you get to church this weekend? But invite them to your church. Don't wait for them to recognize you as a Christian. Just tell them, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And if they go, hey, bro, you want to go for a run? Go, yes, let's run to church. And then we'll run right after to Popeye's where they serve chicken on a Sunday. Praise God. Let's go. Y'all know Popeye's is Cajun, which means it's godly too, because when the saints go marching in, hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah, uh, my, my, my. Everybody think Chick-fil-A is Jesus chicken. Well, Popeye been slamming them chicken sandwiches for a minute too, so get you one. Obviously, I'm hungry. Finally, <laughs> I want to invite everybody to give generously and sacrificially. Whenever you're asked to give, people often go, what do I have left? What do I have available? What's, what do I have marginally? And I'm asking everybody in our church to pray differently about this. I need to tell you how much our new building is gonna cost. I wanna tell you, this is something we're all committing to as a church family. We've already signed contracts. We've ordered, we've got steel on order. We're gonna break ground in probably September or October. And our goal is to be 12 to 14 months into the new building by Christmas of 2024, we plan to open that building. But in the next three years, I want us to pay cash as we go through your pledges for this building to be debt-free on this building in three years. The cost, as we can see for today, and we've got some builders and, and contractors in the room, you can confirm this, it's been confirmed many times. When we built our Rossview building, the cost of building was at about $100 a square foot. I remember back then going, that is highway robbery. God, let it be, let it be again, <laughs> right? The cost of building today is about $300 to $325 per square foot. This is why I'm running for president, everybody. 
just to build LifePoint cheaper. And your building and yours. So we estimate the high-end cost of this building to be $18 million. I'm glad you feel that. This is God's bill. And as his people, we get to be a part of it. No one person has to carry all of this, but one church gets to carry it all under Christ. So I'm asking everybody to pray about participating for the next 36 months above your regular giving to this forward campaign. Would you open your envelope for me real quick? Everybody should have a copy of this envelope. If you don't have it, it's under the seat. I think for all of you in the stadium seats, I want everybody to have one. Kids, grandparents, I don't care if you're guests with us today, we're so glad you're here. But we've given you some giving options that we're asking everyone to consider and pray about. And I wanna remind you, this is over three years. This is 36 months. And we strategically decided on these dollar amounts because I really do believe that everybody can do some number on this card. But we left an other blank for you in case you wanna do a bigger number than what's available on the card. You're welcome. <laughs> over the next 36 months, I'm asking you to, dis, to just give generously and sacrificially above what you already give. Now, listen, if you're not a tither, if you don't give 10% to the Lord, I want you to start there. That would be a significant change for your life, a big change for trust and obedience to God. And then beyond that, this is the sacrifice part. I want you to ask God, Lord, what do you want beyond what I already give? See, the Bible says in Psalm 24, verse one, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Another way to say it is everything belongs to God. Did you know that? Everything belongs to God. Like my wife and I confess this, we believe this. Lord, my health is yours, my job is yours, my, my land is yours, my house is yours, my bank accounts are yours. Everything I have belongs to God. So here's the prayer. Here's what I want you to do over the next two weeks. Now listen, I don't want you to fill this out today unless you really feel moved by God to do something crazy. Over the next two weeks, I want us as a church to pray and keep this card in your Bible. Keep this card close and pray it every day. Here's the prayer we're gonna pray. Lord, everything I have belongs to you already. How would you like me to give away your money? Everything I have, God, belongs to you already. How would you like me to give away your money? See, I believe if every family in our church participated in our forward campaign, we will be debt-free on this property and have money left to do the next campus. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Tiny Town's not the end, it's a next for us. I'm believing God for four, five, six campuses in this area, would love to launch campuses as y'all PCS to others, other communities. We wanna go with you and, and launch campuses there again. How many of you know God is doing something new through his church? And so I'm asking every one of you to be a part of this. I'm asking everyone in the next two weeks to pray every day. God, everything I have belongs to you. How would you like me to give away your money? And I am calling this forward campaign an all play. That is, everyone participates. Your kids are gonna be taught this in Kid Point. Your students in student ministry are young adults, married, single, new or old, it doesn't matter. Even if you're gonna PCS, I've had some people say, well, I don't wanna commit to a pledge because I'm gonna PCS. Can I remind you, even Jesus PCS and still had stuff to do with his church? Come on now, that's right, you love that, don't you? Even if you're only here for two more years, like invest in what God's doing in your local church here and please know that we're connected to the church globally to do something great for the kingdom of God. So my hope is again that we're in the building by Christmas of 2024 and paid off 36 months by now. And we're gonna give God a lot of praise and a lot of glory for what he's doing. Are you excited about our Tiny Town Road Campus, everybody? Come on, let's pray together.
God, we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of what you are doing in the earth. What a privilege it is to serve the King of glory, to serve the building of the church. God, we don't let it fall on cold hearts that you have called us to be a part of something really special. God, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, but you are doing something new in Clarksville. We are so thrilled to be a part of what it is you're asking us to do. So Lord, I pray for every person hearing this prayer, that God, we would be inspired, not, not manipulated or coerced. Lord, we'd be inspired and motivated by your Holy Spirit to do something significant, sacrificial, amazing, so that the mission of God would continue in our city. We thank you, Lord, that you are looking for the missing. You are looking to seek and save lost people, and you've called your church to participate in that. So God, we're in. To the glory of God, we are in. I pray for every family here, God, that we would spend this next two weeks praying, asking the Lord, God, everything I have is yours. What do you want me to give of your money? And that, Lord, we would simply obey. Could you pray this with me? Come on, hold that card in your hand and pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus. Come on, say it for real. God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin so that I can live my life completely for you. Say, I believe in the mission of God. That same mission that rescued me would rescue others through this church plant. And say, Lord, I'm all in. Whatever you want from me, I'll do it in Jesus' name. God, I pray for a supernatural stirring over your church. A supernatural stirring, Lord God, to do something crazy and significant, to see this church paid for. I believe $18 million is a drop. God, companies are dropping billions to build with cash. I believe the church can do more than we think, God, because it's your house, it's your money, it's your resources in our pockets. And Lord, we are open to do whatever you want us to do. So Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you need-